0: Grace is God's unmerited favor for us, his crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. It's always about me. That's Grace Peter.
1: Wow. You said my name. Oh. I've seen that video 18 times and it still messes me up. You said my name. Why did you say my name? You see, we can't talk about the crucifixion and, and resurrection without talking about grace. Amen? The crucifixion defines grace. The resurrection sets the boundaries on grace. How far does God go so that we could be right with Him? How far did God go so that you and me could be right with God? God so loved that he gave. Amen? And we're just kind of moving in from continuing from our Resurrection Sunday. But we can't talk about that without speaking about grace. Grace sets us apart from every world religion. Did you ever think about that? Every major world religion or world philosophy is absent of grace. Think about it. Every world system you have to earn, you have to sacrifice, you have to work, you have to pay. All the world systems and the eastern religions like Hinduism, Buddhism, Sikhism, there's a concept called karma. Karma is a word that a lot of Christians throw around too. Karma is anti-grace. Karma is is the belief system that that um, you you get what you, you you get out what you put in. So if you do good things, good things come to you. If you do bad things, bad things come to you. How many have that? We've heard that world philosophy and we even accept it. We believe it. In Hinduism, they believe karma is controlled by a supreme being. And, and this supreme being perf- is perfectly objective and neutral. And so they say, God is fair and God gives you exactly what you deserve. How many want to serve a God that gives you exactly what you deserve? Imagine if Peter got what he deserved. The last thing he did was deny Christ. Isn't there a scripture that says, if you deny me here on earth, I'll deny you before the Father? Of course, Peter didn't have that scripture because the scripture was still being written. But, but the last thing he did was deny Christ and the first person Jesus names after the resurrection is Peter. Thank you, Pedro. The first person Jesus names is It's Peter. So, okay, we started last week with the life of Peter, and I promise that if some of you came back, some of you did. I mean, we had standing room only last week, so this is a little embarrassing for some of you that just showed up on Easter, and I'll see you again next year. If you're watching online, God bless you. We miss you. See, there's seats available today, I told you. But I promise that if some of you came back, we're going to kind of follow the life of Peter. And so that's kind of what, what I'd like to do. I'd like to sort of go where Peter goes. And I, I think that's going to be kind of cool because it'll take us past the Gospels. It'll take us into the book of Acts. And we'll we'll see how far we go with that. Amen? And so we, we kind of titled, the, we backtracked and titled the series Hashtag Following Peter. So we're going to be following Peter. I want to pick up today where we left off after the amazing dance last week. How many of you saw that? amazing dance team. Yeah, I, I taught them. I, I basically choreographed that whole piece. I taught them. Some of them don't even know how to dance. I taught them how to dance. It was difficult, but you know. I'm lying. That is the Melissa Romero Gonzalez. And if, if that sounds like a superstar, it's because she is. So, Thank you. That was an amazing. Anyway, so we talked about the last days before the crucifixion. We talked about everything that kind of led up to the cross and how that was a preparation for the apostles and for us who would be changed by the cross. The whole world was changed by the cross. Amen? So many people today, they want to live as though there was never a cross or as though Jesus didn't exist. But our very method of tracking time, the calendar... The calendar was set up and adjusted and eventually adopted by most of the world to record, just to record, the time that Jesus lived. But we want to live like he, he, he never even existed. The years before BC, before Christ, the years after, A.D. Anno Domini, Latin for the year of our Lord. Did you know that? Good, now you know. You shouldn't have cut this, that history class. The calendar, our calendar testifies that God came in the flesh, the incarnation of God. God incarnate, in flesh. It It reset the numbers on our calendars. The numbers started over. Somebody say, man, there's something there. Which says to me pretty clearly and naturally that in Christ we have a new beginning. In Christ we get a fresh start. How many of you need to hear that today? In Christ, you got to tell somebody I'm glad you're here for this one. Let's get back to the story. So in the last days before the crucifixion, Jesus knows exactly what's about to happen, right? And in the garden later, he's going to go to the father in prayer. And he's going to ask the father with tears, sweating, crying blood. He's going to ask, Melissa, I just talked about you and you missed it. I'm sorry. You have to catch it online. But you're a superstar. Thank you. So Jesus knows exactly. He, he, well, he goes to the garden later. And he's going to. He's going gonna, he's gonna, um, to. In, in sweat and, and prayer and agony. He's, he's going to pray. And he's going to ask God the Father. If there is any other way. And then when that all ends. Knowing the Father's will. He's going to say that. Uncomfortable. Yes. And, and, and go forward. Amen? But at this time, imagine right now He's preparing. He's having the disciples prepare for this last supper, this last meal that they're going to share before the cross. Now, imagine if you had one last meal to share with your family. One last meal. To, to share with your children, to share with those that you love, with those that, that you've been with and you've been doing life. Imagine you had one last impact that you could make on them. One last picture that would leave an impression on them. Knowing what lays ahead for you and knowing what's going to lay ahead for them because of you. What? Would you think about the words? You know, th- do you think that there was a lot of thought about the words that he was going to share on that, on that last dinner? What stories would you tell? What traditions would you impress? What illustrations, if any, would you leave them with? Now, if, now think about, if you knew this was going to be recorded, because he's God, he already knew, right? Nobody had an iPad there, but he knew that we'd be reading from an iPad at some place, reading his scriptures. And so, if you knew this was going to be recorded and read and studied and taught and impressed on new disciples over and over and over again, do you think it matters what is written there? Do you think it matters what happens on that Last Supper? That was a question. Yes? Okay. Stay with me. Good morning. All right. Good morning. like to think i'd I'd say maybe more than any other part of the gospels what's going to be shared and what's going to be done at this last supper is probably more important than anything else in the gospel because this is the last time that he has and so the word says that at one point of, of the supper jesus got up and we talked about this a little last week he he took off his outer garments and he wrapped a towel around his waist and he assumed the position of a servant. And he washed the disciples' feet. Let's, let's look at that scripture real quick in John 13. In John 13 it says, when he had washed their feet and, and put on, after he had, you know, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. But if I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do as I have done for you. Truly, truly, Jesus said truly twice. I mean, listen, truly, truly, I say to you, A servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So now remember, this is the last meal. This is the last teaching. This is the last couple of illustrations that he can leave. The last impressions he can make before the cross. Before everything changes. Before everyone since the beginning of time gets a fresh start. What does he choose to do? He takes the posture of a servant and he washes their feet. Now, let's, let's, we talked about it a little bit, but I want you to, let's go in a little more because I want you to really understand this. These guys prepared for this supper, okay? So imagine we have, a, we can compare this maybe to a wedding. We have a wedding coming up after service tonight, let's say. We would prepare for that thing, Right? How many would just show up after playing basketball or handball in the court over there and then you're not going to go like that to a wedding. You're going to take a shower, hopefully. Amen. Hopefully, teenagers, you're going to take a shower. Amen. And and so they might have showered, they might have done their hair. You know, maybe John like blew out his hair made it straight that day. You know, like they they went all out, you know. They they might have trimmed their beards a little bit maybe. I don't you know, I don't know. They don't have the little machines back then but they, they might have trimmed their beard. This was a special occasion. This was a holy day. They might have, like, Peter might have put some gel in his comb over. He might have just made it real slick. They might have sprayed their bodies with axe. You know, It was a special day. It was a holy day. They, they would have prepared. Amen. What I'm trying to tell you is that they were clean. They were ready. They were ready for this thing. But... They had no way to walk to get there. They, had, they, they, weren't, they didn't have Creflo Ministries with a private jet. They had to walk. They, they had to walk to get there, right? And, and so, so, remember back then there were no clean paved streets and, and they, didn't, they didn't wear fancy socks like, like we do, you know? Rock my socks for David. So, so back then, the only shoes that Aldo's sold were open-toe sandals. That was the only shoe that that uh, you have that pink. This is the only shoe that Aldo's was selling back then. You could get them in brown and and brown. <laughs> you know, and um and um so and, and so so that's all they had. That was the only thing you can buy. And so everybody had those things. And so and and so they had to walk on the dirt with brown, aldos, open sandals. And so no matter how clean they were, by the time they got there, their feet were dirty. And, and the way we ate back then, they, they would sit on low pillows. And so And so that means your feet are real close to the table, real close to your partner. And so imagine these feet right next to you when you're eating. So so understand, the reason I'm I'm going to... When Jesus washed their feet, Jesus did something for them that they needed. Hold on to that. Of course, there was a lot of symbolism involved here. Jesus don't do anything small. When he does something, it's big. But the beautiful thing is that depending on where your understanding is, it'll speak to you. So so if you're like a rock head, you know, it's like, "Oh, oh, dirty feet. Oh, Jesus washed my feet. That's good. Thank you. Or if you're a scholar... You're like, whoa, there's something deep going on here. He's washing my feet as a symbol that He washes me and makes me clean. Amen? That, that my daily walk could cause me to stumble and fall and become dirty. But, but Jesus washes me. Amen? So, so there's, there's symbolism there, of course. And it, it's a picture of how we should come to God daily and ask for forgiveness for the things in our daily walk that might offend God. The way we've treated someone or the things that we might have done or the things that we shouldn't have done. Amen? And and if you, understand that if you believe in the resurrection that you were washed clean, then your body's clean. You're smelling like axe. If you believe in the resurrection, then you're already washed clean. You're in right standing before the Lord. That was the point of the resurrection. That's the extreme grace. You only need to come to God daily to help you with your daily walk. And, 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 and we know this because when, when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, He said, you should pray this way. Ask God daily for your bread, for your sustenance, and, and then we should ask for forgiveness as we forgive others. Amen? And, and so here's the thing. He, he washes their feet because they needed it, and he, and he tells them and tells us through His Word, you also ought to wash each other's feet. I know that's, that sounds bad. Some of you are like, I hope we're not washing feet today. Because I didn't wear the right shoes. Jesus plainly says this is an attitude that should mark his followers. That we should wash each other's feet. Now, are the scriptures saying, we got to really exegete, we got to pull out meaning from this scripture. Are the scriptures saying that this is something we need to do in church from now on? That we should have a, a foot washing ceremony every week, maybe, or or every year? Is it saying that we should set up a bunch of basins and chairs and have the leaders wash the you know the other people's feet and, and you know and, and we should be doing if we did that, are we doing what the scriptures command? Quick answer. Now, a lot of churches do this as a remembrance, and that's beautiful, and that could be a powerful illustration. I'm not knocking anybody on the stand. But that's not what Jesus calls us to do. That's not what is needed. Why? Because we have paved sidewalks. We have, uh, we, we wear closed shoes. We wear socks, unless you're Dominican and you don't like socks, then that's, that's a whole different story. But, 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 <laughs> I love you. <laughs> but the point is, the point is our feet are clean. Don't write me no emails. I love you guys. It's a joke. <laughs> the point is our feet are clean. So we don't need the, the foot washing in the natural. Amen? What, what do we need? And what Jesus is saying to us today is that we should walk humbly. What he's saying is that never think that we're better than anyone else because of or we're above somebody else. Despite our titles, despite our accomplishments, the scriptures are teaching us that we should humble ourselves. And the the foot washing for us would be helping people with what they need, encouraging someone. Helping, uh, forgiving people that trespass against us as we forgive those, right? God, forgive us our trespass as we forgive those who trespass against us. We should wash each other's sins with forgiveness. Mm. When we forgive one another, when we encourage each other, when we help each other with whatever it is that we need, that they need, we're washing each other's feet. Amen? Some of us would rather wash feet than forgive. Some of us would rather a ceremony inside the church than to help somebody that's not part of the church. We can say, but those people, that person never apologized to me. They never asked for forgiveness. Remember, forgiveness came for us before repentance. Repentance. Amen? Forgiveness came before repentance. The Word says, Romans 5 eight. But God showed His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died. While we were still sinners, Christ died. Five, verse 5-6 five, says, While we were still helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's crazy. That's crazy. That will mess with your theology. We should be doing things for the ungodly. <laughs> Instead of talking about them in church. Look at... I, I'm not even get onto social media because that's just too much to get onto social media the way we trash all the ungodly folk in the world. And so so the ungodly are on are on social media and they're reading all of our comments and all of our... How are we doing this? Hashtag, whose feet are you washing? All right, let's get off that. So the next thing John records in his gospel is that as the disciples are all gathered there and he had just washed all of their feet, it says Jesus was troubled in spirit. And he has to deal now with Judas. He says, one of you here will betray me. And I believe Jesus is grieved because he's shown even Judas' love. Even to this point, even though he knew all along what Judas was capable of, he knew all along what he would eventually do, he loved him. I believe Jesus washed Judas's feet. Because the scriptures doesn't, don't tell us none of the gospels recorded in the order that Judas left first, and then we did the feet washing. Oh thank God, he's gone. Now let's wash the Christian feet. None of them recorded in that order. So it's pretty safe to assume by what the scripture says that when he washed all their feet, he washed Judas's feet too. How do we deal with that? This is the man that in a moment, he's already made plans to betray me for money. He's selling me out. In a moment, he'll lead me. I'm, I'm, he's not in control. I'm in control. Just so you know, like this didn't, like Jesus couldn't get out of that if he wanted to. He allowed this to happen. But he's saying, this guy was my friend. He was my family. We rolled together. We did everything together. I helped him. I was there for him. And he's selling me out. He betrayed me. Why not get rid of him first and then put the apron on and do the foot washing? Maybe Jesus is telling us we all get God's love. We all get God's love. Not just us in church. But we all get God's love. House of prayer that's on the corner. The house of prayer that's on that corner. Them too? We all get God's love. But they don't serve God. But they serve a different God. But they're not part of our religion. But they're not Christian. But they serve a... We all get God's love. Wow. Even if in the end we choose to reject Him, we still have to walk past the forgiveness of the cross. If we choose to deny Him, we still have to go past the foot washing, past the cleansing, past the love of Christ to reject the Father. It makes sense then that after Judas was gone, He tells his his followers, now the hour has come. And he gives us, John records it this way, John 13, 34. He says, a new commandment I give to you. Remember, this is the end. This is the last chance he has to speak to them before the cross. This is the last set of stories that he's going to tell before the cross. This is the last illustration, the last example. He says, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. As I have washed your feet, that you also wash one another's feet. As I also have laid down my life to love you, that you would lay down your life to love one another. That's hard. Amen. Okay. See, I love I love the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And together they paint such a full picture of what happened on those at those times, at what happened. And and it's 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 difficult when you read them and and because Depending on, they're, they're written in context to who they're speaking to. This, this gospel was, was speaking to the non-Jewish people, and this gospel was trying to minister to the Jews, and this gospel was speaking out of this context. And so sometimes you, you read and you have so many skeptics, they like to point out that, oh, there's so many discrepancies in the gospels. Anybody ever gave you that fight? There's so many discrepancies in the gospel. This guy said this happened first and then that happened. This guy says that happened first and then this happened. This guy said that happened and there were three of them. This guy says two of them were there and this guy says this. And the, the crazy thing is, and I used to get tripped up in that, and then, and then you just kind of just keep on going and keep on going through the word and you let the word explain itself. And it's a beautiful thing. But these are the same people that if all four gospels were an exact copy of each other if all four gospels told the story exactly then these are the same people that would say you see that's fake there's no way four people are going to have that experience and all tell the story the same way right so so either way the point is we're going to accept it or we're going to reject it and that's the bottom line is where are you going to stand on the scripture where are you going to stand with god I think the full gospel paints a fuller picture of their experience with Christ. What happened that changed them? For us, the proof of the gospel, the proof of the resurrection is what happened after the cross. These men all get to the cross one way and they leave a totally different, different people. Amen? Amen? To me, that's the proof of the resurrection. Peter was a mess-up. Thomas was a doubter. James and John. The gospel tells us that even at the Last Supper, they were arguing with Jesus about who would be greater in heaven. Can you imagine at this point? (laughs) Can you imagine? I'd slap three people that worked for me to... can you imagine at this point in our life where we are right now we're gathered I'm telling you they're going to capture me and they're going to kill me but in three days I will rise again and you're saying okay but in heaven who's going to be better that's what the word says the brothers were arguing they said but but who's going to sit on your left and who's going to say I call shotgun really bro so, so these dudes were, they were, come on, you, you know what I'm, I'm trying to show you their character. Here we are at the Last Supper, the final thing before the cross. Not to mention that when he got arrested, there were ghosts. Everybody was out. We talk about Peter, but Peter's the only one that was there. Everybody else was gone, hiding. So so these people were a mess they were this crew was a hot mess These were the men that God chose they were a mess they weren't faithful they weren't dependable they weren't even loyal all the time But something happened after the cross That's proof that something happened because these men changed And so it couldn't have been just a good sermon that changed them because Jesus they were with every, with Jesus at every sermon it couldn't have been another miracle. They've seen every miracle. They've seen them open blind eyes. They've seen them wake the dead. Well, what's going to change you already? They've seen them multiply. He, they had the loaves, right? And they said, go feed all these people. And they like, but Jesus, we got like three little baskets with two fish. Go feed the people. And they saw in their own hands how this multiplied and multiplied and multiplied and multiplied and multiplied and multiplied and, multiplied and then had left over. I would have saved the fish. I was like, oh my God. <coughs> this is amazing fish. It just keeps multiplying and multiplying. So, before the reality of what took place, something had to happen or they never would have changed. Here's proof John 21 2. This is after everything that happened the weekend. Good Friday. Silent Saturday the resurrection this is this is happens after all of this um the, you know they run, they scatter they peter denies them they the cock crows and this, and everything that happens this is after john twenty one two look what 's recorded here it says simon Peter, Thomas called didymus. Nathanael from Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee, the two, and two other disciples were together, it says. So seven of them were together. And it says, Peter says, I'm going out to fish. Simon Peter told them, I'm going out to fish. And they said, we'll go with you. And so they went out and they got into the boat that night, but they caught nothing. Jesus, the man you followed all this time, the guy that told you that he is God in the flesh, you walked with him for three years. You saw all of this stuff happen. You saw the miracles. You believed him. You followed him. You you, you saw him taken from you by force, held up in this mock trial, found guilty and brutally crucified between two thieves. He's dead. He's been put in a tomb. I'm going fishing. Do you, do you do you see does that make sense that story? I'm going fishing. Oh, me oh me too. Oh, hold up. I'll go with you. Oh, yeah, we'll go too. This is right that weekend. I I, I you know, I I don't I can't imagine like let's go have fun Monday after or Sunday after this man that I followed that I believe was God that that I believe that told me so many things that I saw him do so many things. Uh, Oh, he's dead. Oh, okay. Let's go fishing. Maybe Peter was going back to his old life. The scripture doesn't, you know, expound on this. We just have to read for what it says. Maybe Peter was going back to his old life. Maybe Peter felt, well, I let God down and so it's over for me. I'm disqualified. I denied him. There's nothing else I can do. I'm going to go back to what what I know. Anybody ever felt like you blew it so bad? That it's done, man. I might as well just go back to doing what I used to do before I started coming to church. I don't want to be a hypocrite. It's a favorite Christian word in church, right? I let God down, you know. Is, it's, it's, and, and what's awesome here is that it's there that the resurrected Jesus appears to them. Can you, is that not Grace. It's there that the resurrection... Look, it says, it was there that Jesus first called them. They were fishing. Remember, they were fishing by the Sea of Galilee. They were fishing. Jesus comes. Hey, Peter, Andrew, follow me. And they left their nets. They left everything to follow and they never went back. And they followed him for three years. And what an adventure. What an adventure they experienced. What a discipleship they had by God himself. But here we are back at the shore. We're fishing again because it's the only thing we know. And so Jesus shows up at the same place where they were fishing before. He shows up and he yells out to them, got fish? Read the word, that's what it says. And they say, nah man, we've been fishing all night and we ain't got nothing to show for it. That's a picture of some of us, amen? Amen. We've been trying all our lives to do good, to do right, to do to get ahead, to get rich, to get right, to get good. And we got nothing to show for it. Anybody? Been there. Jesus says, throw the net on the other side. These are professional fisher, fishermen. They have t-shirts that says Pedro's Fishing Company. They have a website and everything back then. These are professional fishermen. He says, Throw the net on the other side. In other words, Jesus is saying, try it my way now. (laughs) That's a word for somebody today. Try it my way now. Jesus is telling you, you've tried it your way. You're exhausted. You're tired. You're depressed. You're still battling depression and being sad and being, you got no joy in your life. There's no happiness. There's no peace in your home. Try it my way now. And so John tells us that it was there, after they ate, they, you know, brought all these fish. The nets were full brimming, just like happened before. And they brought all these fish, in, and they frying fish with Jesus. And they're eating. And it's there that, that uh, after they ate and they sat around, Jesus says to Peter, Do you love me? And, and then feed my sheep. And three times he makes him answer the same question, which had to have reminded Peter of the three times that he denied him. That's why he got so emotional on the last one. He felt offended. Like, God, you know that I love you, but I know what you're thinking. You're thinking about the three times that I denied you. And so it's there that he gives Peter a threefold public affirmation for his threefold public denial. And then he gives them a threefold public mission. He says, now feed my sheep. He tells them again what he told them when he first called them. He says, now follow me. Again, in the same place, to the same guys, he says, now follow me. And it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful picture because like, like we saw in the little skit, you know, Mark 16 records it this way, that when the ladies were at the empty tomb and the angel spoke to them and he said to them, do not be alarmed, he said, you're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you into Galilee. Sea of Galilee is where they were fishing. That he's going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. Jesus meets them right where he first called them, and he says the same thing to them again. Follow me. This time, this time Peter never turned back. And so as we continue this series, hashtag following Peter, we're going to see that this was a fresh start. For Peter. And he was never the same. If the resurrection never took place, Peter would have gone back to fishing probably. And the rest of the, of his disciples would have followed him. Six disciples go back to fishing that one time. Back to what they know. Back to what they did before. If the resurrection never took place, if they didn't have proof that Jesus said who he was, they would have probably died fishermen, not pastors, and we wouldn't be talking about them or Jesus today. D- do you understand that? We why would we be talking about this lunatic that walked around at this time and said, "I am God. I am He, and we are one." If I this crazy man that thought he was God, he was forgiving people's sins. That's cr- we see people today, right? They say, "I'm I'm Jesus." Right, the guy in Florida. Yeah, so many, so many you know, crazy things that we experience today. But there was people just like this that said, I'm Jesus. And I'm the one, I'm the one. But this would have just been another fairy tale, another story. And those guys never would have had the heart to continue and to do the things that they did, eventually being martyred, eventually laying their life down. If this was a lie, who, who of you would die for a lie? There's a difference if you would die for a belief, right? You would die. And we have people, you know, blowing themselves up all the time just because they believe, you know, Allah wants them to do that and they're going to they're die. And we have people that martyr themselves that way. But if you knew it was a lie, if you knew you were there, Jesus never resurrected. You never saw him again. And so, because a lot of people said that was a hoax. You know, they hid the body. And so then they said, oh, they said they saw him. Okay, that was a good hoax. Would you then die for a story that you made up? Something changed them. Something had to happen. Scriptures tells us it was the resurrected Jesus. Amen? Worship team, you guys could come. I want to stop the story right here and do something that Jesus did at the Last Supper. And so those that are helping me, you guys can come set up right now. When he was at the table with the disciples, at one point, Luke records it this way. Luke 22, it says, When the hour came, Jesus and the apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks. And he said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you that I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks. And he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this... Is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So now we have the, the emblems. and I've asked the pastors and the ministers of this church to stand here to serve this is the sacrifice that put forgiveness before us it put forgiveness before our repentance this was done before you and I even existed and it was done with you and I in mind knowing that the things that we would do, knowing the way we would be knowing the mistakes we would make knowing the hearts we would break the, the, the bad things, the crazy things, the reckless things that we would do everybody gets God's love We don't do communion often in this church because I don't want it to be just something that we do once a month and I don't want it to be common. I don't want it to be something that we get comfortable with. And so the the Bible doesn't tell us when to do it. He says, do this in remembrance of me. So I like to take time when we do it to make it mean something because it should mean something. Amen? It shouldn't be something we do just the third Sunday of every month. So I'm going to ask today, if you're one of those that usually skips out on this part, you let it pass because you think you have too many issues or maybe you don't feel worthy or or maybe you grew up in a Rahatabla Pentecostal place that tell you, listen, if you got one sin on your track, you better not take that. The Bible says you'll die. And so we have that in us like, oh my God. You know, that's true. And, and, and you might think it's, you might think that's, that's the right thing. I, I shouldn't, you know, partake in that because I'm not right with God. But, but this is an opportunity to be right with God. This is not an opportunity to pass. This is an opportunity to get right with God. Coming to church does not get you right with God. Amen? Taking up a chair here does not get you right with God. Passing moments like this up gets you farther from God. Believe me. And so in a moment, we're going to ask everybody to come to come up through the middle and just go to one of the ministers and the pastors and just take an emblem and then bring it back to your seat. But what I'd like to do first, I want to invite those that maybe this is not your thing. You're like, I don't, you know, when we passed it around before, you would skip it. You know, I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to invite you. In, in the garden, Jesus prayed before he made the sacrifice. And he said, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. If there's any other way than to do what I'm about to do right now, can can, can there be any other way? And then he says, but not my will, but your will be done. And so Jesus makes the uncomfortable yes. Why would he ask that? If it wasn't something that he had a choice to do. Why would he ask that? Why, As a show? As a scripture? Like for what? He said, God, if there's, Father, if there's any other way, but not my will, but your will be done. And so he makes the uncomfortable yes. I believe there's somebody here that needs to make the uncomfortable yes today and so I'm going to call you first if you need a fresh start today I'd like to invite you first to come come Don't, don't look at don't think about who's looking at you and who's thinking what about you who we're here to wash each other's feet amen so please I'd like to invite you come if you need a fresh start come Jesus is talking to some of you. He's saying, follow me. And listen, those of you that are watching online, there's nothing special about these crackers and this grape juice. And I really believe you can have a communion moment right where you are right now. I don't care if it's beer and a pretzel. It doesn't matter, I believe. Thank you, sir. Amen. Welcome. I really believe you can have a communion moment at home. Just take two things that would symbolize and thank God for the body and for the blood. The body that was broken for you and for me and the blood that was shed for all of us. Amen. And you too can have that communion moment at home. Let's join our brothers and sisters and partaking together. see this as something that's just for somebody else I believe God is calling our teenagers God is calling our young people he's saying follow me follow me and so I invite you personally today to come come don't sit back
2: The Last Supper. If you look at it, see, this is matzah. This is what they use. This is the exact thing that Jesus took in the Last Supper the night before he died, the night of the Passover. And if you look at it, it has stripes. And the Bible says that Jesus took stripes, whip, a whipping on his back so that you could be healed. You can see that it's pierced look at it the bible says that jesus was pierced his arms and his feet his hands and feet for your sins he died on the cross not only for you but he died as you he took upon himself everything that you hate about yourself every failure every regret Everything you think is ugly about you, Jesus took on himself. He was pierced. You could see the burnt marks. What does that mean? You see, God, he has to judge sin. The wrath of God has to be poured out on sin, on the rebellious. But so that you wouldn't have to take the punishment, These burn marks show that Jesus took the wrath of God in your place so that you can be forgiven, you can be healed. You see, in the Bible, it says that yeast or baking soda is a picture of sin. And that's why we use the cracker, because it has no yeast in it. Why? Because Jesus, He lived a sinless, perfect life. He did it in your place. Maybe you fail, you mess up, maybe over and over again, but when God looks down from heaven at you, He doesn't see you according to your failure. He doesn't say, There's that messed up, good for nothing. He says, Look at that person who Jesus died for. And Jesus, in exchange, he took your mess and he gives you the sinful, your, he, he gives you his sinless, perfect life. A great exchange happened on the cross. And Jesus took this bread and he broke it. His body was broken for you so that you can have a new life, a new beginning so that nothing of your past is held against you anymore. So, Father, we thank you for the broken body of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that he was willing to give it all so that we could have life, so that we could have a new beginning. So let's just partake now of the cracker, the broken body of Jesus. And you see the night before he died Jesus took the wine or the grape juice which are, which in the Passover symbolizes the blood of the lamb that was sacrificed so that the people could live and not die And on the cross Jesus shed his blood for you so that you could have forgiveness there's nothing between you and God if you've got Jesus in your heart. There's no other name under heaven by which you can be saved. But today, if you proclaim, I've got Jesus, and if you don't, you need to receive him right now. Just say, if you don't have Jesus in your heart, just say, Jesus. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I receive you into my life. There's forgiveness right now. I don't care what you did yesterday. I don't care if you got a gun in your pocket. You got drugs in your wallet. If you're receiving Jesus right now, it's all passed away. There's power in the blood. There's healing in the blood. There's forgiveness in the blood. And there's new life for you, a new beginning. You can start over like Peter. He, he messed up. He failed over and over again. But the whole message today, in your failure, in your rebellion, if you'll turn to him, if you'll receive the blood, you, will, you are forgiven. Yes. That is good news. That's the message we have to offer you. No other religion, as Pastor George said, can stand here right now and say, you are forgiven. You are loved. So, Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. Jesus, he he could have called down angels to take him off the cross and murder every soldier that was out to kill him. But the Bible says that it pleased him. It pleased him to go to the cross. Why? Because he couldn't stand to live without you. That's how much he loves you. He was willing to die and suffer and be tormented in your place because just the thought of spending eternity without you. So you burned in his heart as as he hung on the cross. Do you know that every one of you, that you were burning in his heart? I, I never met a love like that before. I don't know about you. So let's, let's just drink right now in remembrance of his sacrifice. And I, I just want to pray right now. If you if you're saying today, I'm receiving forgiveness, I receive that new beginning. If you need grace for your life like me. Maybe you've walked in failure, you've hurt people, you've cheated and lied. There's nothing that you could tell me you did that's greater than the grace of God. If you you need that grace today, will you just lift your hand towards heaven? Father, I just pray right now. I release the grace of God over everyone right now, over everyone whose hand is raised towards you, God. I speak forgiveness. I, I just seek a cleansing. Just receive right now. When you receive that cleansing, all your sins or every regret is being washed away. That big mess that you just made, that broken relationship. We just receive your grace. We receive your power. We receive your healing. And I decree, the Bible says, that we have the authority to say, your sins are forgiven. So just receive that. Let's just, as we close in worship, worship. He is worthy to be praised. He is the one who died for us.